Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Questions, questions, many you ask. Some of the future, some of the past. That's it, isn't it? Man of Iron? Uh, Bathory Blood on Ice? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, welcome to episode... I don't know, 166, 167 Agitators Anonymous. Who knows exactly who's counting? Bathory, Blood on Ice. A strange album. I mean, very clearly and obviously a drum machine. Um, and very clearly, obviously, not really recorded when Quarthon said it was recorded in the big, long liner notes in the CD. But if you read uh, lots of Quarthon interviews over the years, you kind of realise he sort of takes some liberties with the truth here and there. And certainly one of the ways to kind of tell where Bathory is, is by listening to his singing voice, because he has a singing voice in the 90s where it just sounds like his voice was just shot, um, like he never practiced or never sang. And certainly he could never do that kind of the uh, black metal voice that you hear in 1986 or 87 by 2007. I mean, it's impossible. He just can't do that. The voice on Requiem is what his voice is. So I think that there's a few demos from Jubalium. I think there's one which is called Witchcraft, maybe. Uh, Satan, my master. And you can hear, this isn't old. This is a, a drum machine, not actual drums. Um, and it also, his voice is, it just sounds like a 2000s voice. Anyway, anyway, I digress, but that's what you're here for, to hear my ridiculous digressions. What is this episode going to be about? It's going to be about interviews. It's going to be about questions. I'm going to be answering some of um, your questions from Instagram. I haven't looked at them yet, so I don't quite know the level to which um, they are going to be. <clears throat> the level at which they're going to be. Wow, if my English teacher could hear me um, with that rather garbled sentence. I haven't yet quite um, looked to check out their insightfulness, their veracity, their inquisitive intent. Inquisitive intent. You can have that as a band name. Anyway, you should go to uh, IndieMerch.com slash MetalBladeRecords and you can use the promo code AA2023 to get 10% off your order, which counts for a lot these days. Um, lots of people liked the interview last week with Joey Vera. 
uh, from Armad Saint. What an awesome guy he is and a brilliant player and just an all-round reasonable, calm man. The kind that we need maybe a few more of. Perhaps we could vote for Joey. I don't know. Maybe that's what he needs to start thinking about after his post-musical career. He can sort that state of California out. Um, but anyway, Armored Saint, Merciful Fate, Primordial, I don't know, Cannibal Corpse, lots of bands. They're all on Metal Blade Records. Go over there, follow the link underneath um, and you can get your 10% off. Also, lots of people starting to message me about backdrops. Um, I have a link but you have to DM me, you have to email me about it. Um, and I can put you in touch with a man. A man with a plan. And his plan is to make really cool backdrops. Uh, they're all fireproofed at some of the best prices you're going to see anywhere in Europe. And so, um, just if you think to yourself, well, we've got some festivals coming up this summer, we have no big backdrop, send me a message. Now, before I get to a couple of questions from people, um, one of the things I wanted to consider, one of the things I wanted to talk about was... In this day and age, the way things are, um, there's no doubt about it that what you say is much more scrutinized. Um, certainly in the pre-black metal internet era, you could get away with a level of extremity. You know, you, but you were also young. And with um, youth, of course, comes a, a, a very great helping of impetuosity. And, you know, you can be dumb and young and, well, you know the phrase. And, and of course, you know, as they say, hanging a young man or hanging an old man by the things he said when he was young, I think is something of an intellectual cul-de-sac, a fool's errand. Um, you can't judge the measure of yourself by things that you said 30, 35 years ago. Um, and it's a kind of, I think, a dishonest pursuit to do so, because after all, we are just singers and heavy metal bands. We are not politicians. Um, but as someone who always thought that a wise man should um, think everything he says rather than say everything he thinks, I've been well versed in the last 20, 30 years in, I suppose, thinking about questions, thinking about the implication and thinking how they will be interpreted, but yet at the same time being forceful in your opinions, forceful in your arguments and forthright. Because certainly you should not be cowardly. You should not, I think, lie to yourself. And um, of course, sometimes there are compromises, compromises to be made with things. There always is compromises to be made with things. Some of them intellectual, some of them in the very real world um, where you don't always have the ability to claim, uh, you know, the moral high ground or anything like that. But now on album 10 with the new Primordial, I'm starting to do press, starting to talk to people. And it is becoming a little bit more clear that you have to be, shall we say, more circumspect with your answers than before. But yet at the same time, I find myself straying into topics um, that aren't really primordial topics because people now have an extra thing to discuss, which is uh, the podcast, which is the uh, what's happened to the world in the last five years. There's a lot to discuss and people want to discuss a lot of things with me. And I have to sometimes weigh up, well, what is the risk or the reward? Because as I said before in the podcast, I feel that we are um, living in a very sort of intellectually dishonest binary world where we're being invited to consider things that we held as truths only six months or a year or two years ago to now be falsehoods and for falsehoods to be truths. We're living in a sort of deluded world where we're being invited to take part in a kind of a pantomime. Politics reveals itself to be a pantomime. Um, we're gaslit all the time. It's not a phrase I really like, but we are gaslit by the mainstream media all the time, by politicians one week, one thing, one week, another thing. And it's clear so far after the first three or four interviews that people have a lot um, of extra things to ask me, things I've never really considered or never really heard in an interview before. And you have to consider the way up. Is this 
is this correct? Do I go back um, in an interview about Primordial and go, hey, pangolins, remember the pangolins? Oh, right, yeah. Well, you don't, but I do, because you are busy following the mainstream narrative or shilling for Big Pharma or whatever it is that you want to say. So now, do I mention that? Because I've mentioned on the podcast before that I found uh, over the whole lockdown pandemic thing how conformist much of the metal scene was and that I, you know, came to be, um, sort of found myself in opposition to a great measure of it, which I found really unusual, um, even though I kind of suspected it. But I was reading a review of an album that I did and the first thing the uh, review said was, well, Alan Averill, he has some questionable views. And then it went on to review the music. And I thought, well, is that really fair to say that you should, um, you know, it said Alan Averill had some questionable views during the lockdown. Now, it didn't say what those questionable views were. I was given no right to reply. No one asked me about, hey, you know, those questionable views. This is what I thought they were. So I could, you know, give my rebuttal to them. Or in interviews, did we, did I talk about them? It's just placed at the start of a review. And what that does, it's the kind of, um, whether it was intended or not, I mean, the, um, the journalist in question said, no, no, I said you were talking about important things that we could say were questionable as judged by other people. And I said, okay, so maybe this is lost in translation, but you understand why I asked. But yet at the same time, what are these so-called questionable views. Now, for me, of course, the idea that uh, skepticism is always the most rational perspective, um, this is completely logical. So you should be skeptical of the motives of big pharma, of the government, um, of institutions of power, of unelected uh, unelected technocratic institutions who seek to censor debate. Um, These three things were very important and we saw them played out during the whole lockdown situation, as my views were said to be questionable, and I questioned those things. So to me, I was questioning the questionable. And what were those things that you were questioning? Now, if you were to say, um, I was exercising my right of free speech, um, well, you know, we realize that free speech has kind of also become a dirty word uh, in modern society. People think you're, you know, oh, you just want freedom of speech to say the most horrendous things. The argument, again, is pushed to the most extreme elements because it's designed to be um, a sort of moral binary that you choose good or evil and freedom of speech places you on the evil spectrum. And so I think kind of unforgivably, you found many um, other musicians or many people in the metal scene um, who were basically standing on the same side of the fence as, um, as I said, these institutions of government and big pharma and corporations, mass multinational corporations who are making tons of money from, for example, as in this case, lockdown. Um, And so to question that, somehow it was a perfect game they played, that we were at each other's throats, divide and conquer, because we were questioning motives, we were questioning intent, we were questioning the science, because of course, science should be open to inquiry, that's what science is, and the advancement of empirical data by methods of inquiry, of inquiry. That's a hard word to say, isn't it? But you would never say, I am the science. This is the science, because science changes. But the wisdom of getting into these things in modern interviews, because obviously what you have to weigh up is that the Agitators Anonymous podcast is me speaking. It's not the primordial podcast. And so um, other members of primordial have other views on things. So is it right for me to be talking about these things in interviews? This is the conundrum. And... 
So I find myself, um, you know, I find myself accepting with grace the journalist who wrote that, his explanation of the translation of the um, of the review. And I thought, look, hey, it's also your freedom of speech to say that. But you understand the kind of journalistic contradiction because you've just sort of implanted an idea in people's heads who maybe don't know what you're talking about at all. And they go, oh, well, questionable views. Of course, well, if somebody in a magazine says you have questionable views, you must have. So what is cowardly? What is clever? Um, because you do realize that in many times discussing these things means that you don't inhabit the gray air in the middle. I found myself discussing Greta Thunberg, St. Greta of Thunberg, our modern day Joan of Arc uh, for the religious movement of, um, you know, the climate movement. Now, of course, you have to preface every discussion of this, at least if you have sense, with saying, of course, we need to discuss the climate. But aren't we living in a world where we are treating um, children like adults and adults like children. Isn't this very strange? Isn't there some maybe reason for this? Some sort of digital disconnect, um, which is about the removal of consent. Now, that's another um, issue for another um, another episode. But I ended up getting talking about Greta Thunberg and I said, well, who's her father and who's her mother? What are the motives? Five years ago, she said the world was going to end I don't know, two weeks ago or whatever it was. And it didn't, obviously. And I just said to the other person, you know, who was getting irate at my just questioning the structure, perhaps, of the people around her. Who's lobbying her? Who's funding her? Has she really been arrested? She goes and visits Zelensky for this photo op uh, to discuss the ecocide in the Ukraine. But what about the depleted uranium from all of the missiles and bombs falling um, in Ukraine? Not to mention the people being killed that... You know, there's the photo op about ecocide, but yet the bipartisan, um, you know, deep state military industrial complex weapons bill, which was passed by Republicans and Democrats, has poured over 100 billion of military aid into the Ukraine. Now, say what you want about that, but these are weapons that kill people. But yet that's not what she was there for. So it's just for the photo op. And what is that photo op for? Could it be to just convince very young people of the of the propaganda of another proxy war, of another Afghanistan designed to sell military hardware. Well, they're not hardly going to say that, but they're going to send Joan of Arc in there. And the interviewer kind of scratched his head and went, right, okay. And I said, by the way, I'm not having a, <laughs> a go at anyone protesting or discussing climate. Not at all. Just curious. Curious that you would send a child into the UN. Could it be that because nobody can really shout at her or argue with her, you can't really argue with a child because the optics look so bad. It's a kind of perfect sort of strange psyop no not a psyop but you understand what i mean the pantomime the theater of it and the theater of a grown man or woman a politician shouting down a child is too much so you send the child in to do your dirty work in many ways she's a victim that's kind of how i see it but yet is it dumb of me to end up talking about this to a journalist could be because you are trusting them to not frame you in such a way where somebody is going to read this and go, this asshole is, you know, um, anti, anti-science, anti-climate change, and therefore anti-vax, anti-this, anti-that, because that's just where we just shovel all the shit to either side of the most extreme points of view of every argument. And we're living in a society, I think, that doesn't, um, that just hasn't got the time for nuance or context. So more fool me, or am I just trying to speak truth to power? Um, or is that just too grandiose a statement? I think um, there has to be a space, especially within the metal scene, which usually avoids many of these things, for people to be able to discuss all these things. I mean, the idea that we're infantilizing society 
um, and, you know, placing huge um, responsibilities uh, with kids, but yet treating adults like children is, I think, clearly obvious to most people. So therefore, what does Joan of Arc, what does Greta Thunberg represent in the context of what seems to be like a religious movement? And how many millions of her child followers were super anxious because five years ago she told them that a reliable source says the world is going to end and the oceans are going to boil. And then this doesn't happen. But if you were going to perhaps perhaps consider elements of, a, let's say, um, elements of a climate lockdown in order to facilitate more authoritarian measures of societal control, well, this is how you would inculcate young people, wouldn't you? These are all things that should be able to be discussed in a rational way in a grown-up environment. But increasingly, we are not able to discuss those things without everybody reaching for the most extreme version of what everybody else has said. And if you've said this, you must be that. Not true. Not true. You can take a bit of column A, a bit of column B, a bit of column C. And like I said, as I've always said on the podcast, skepticism is the only rational perspective. And so, who lobbies? To wonder who lobbies Greta, who lobbies Zelensky, who lobbies for all these things, who pays for things, who profits, who benefits, who does and who doesn't. Certainly the people of Ukraine definitely don't. Um, That's connecting the dots in a rational way, at least, I would say, a sceptical way. Perhaps you ain't got the time for it, and that's perfectly fine. I do understand that. But am I wrong to question the intent, question the motives, question the theatre, question the pantomime? Um, I don't think so. And as the journalist said to me, well, you are very outspoken. And I said, really, am I very outspoken um, only compared to other bands? I really don't know. I don't have anything really to compare that to. I just believe that we should be able to have rational discussions um, like adults and not reduce ourselves to, uh, you know, these, as I said, these binary choices. But then again, as I said before in the podcast, what do people want? Do they want their metal bands, do they want the musicians to say nothing? It's certainly been strange to observe that back in the 1960s and the 70s, if you were involved, if you're a musician involved in counterculture, whether it's even if you think Willie Nelson in Country and Western or the Dead Kennedys or whoever, um, you have, you held power to account. That's what being part of a counterculture was. You were counter to the culture. It was an alternative culture. And it kind of feels like that um, that element of trying to hold power to account, or at least being sceptical of the motives of your government, of the state, of all these kind of things, just like punk rock said you were supposed to do. And I think, like, if you were black metal, you should be on, you know... Um, identifying with maybe an outlaw position or an outsider point of view. Um, if heavy metal always said it's saying about rebellion, where were the rebels? Where were the people who were speaking out going, I have uh, questions about the pangolin or I have questions about the science of lockdown or I have questions about many, many things. But we didn't hear very many of them. And in fact, if you did, you found yourself shouted down very often by the mob, accused of being this, that and the other. But yet at the same time, wasn't this the essence of some of the things that we sang about? Wasn't punk rock supposed to be um, against the state fundamentally? And there I was being um, criticised by old punk rockers who were telling me to get in line. Get in line, Mr. Averill. Stop complaining. It's for this good of greater good of society and this, that and the other. And you thought, wow, what happened to you? What happened to you? What happened to holding p truth to power? But that said, do people really want to hear politics from metal bands? I get it. I get it. But that's why I started the podcast. 
um, in order to be able to try and discuss some of these things in a an even-handed manner and sort of try and put both points of view. Because like I said, always, I'm sort of politically homeless. And therefore, the truth is usually residing in the grey area or shades of grey. But who cares about my comments about Greta Thunberg? You're right. Who does care? Um, it just so happened that in the course of an interview of a conversation, it just happened to go there. Another conversation I had had ended up talking about the hate speech bill laws that are being passed in Ireland. Now, if you're from Ireland, you'll have noticed that the only thing in the front of our newspapers for two weeks is the salaries of TV presenters. Perfect smokescreen um, to just keep the public um, just sitting on this story, imbibing this nonsense while other things are happening. Yet behind this, we are passing one of the most draconian hate speech bill bills um, in any country in the West. Are you going to read that on the front of the newspaper? No. Are you going to read a front page article which says, well, maybe that lab leak thing, yeah, hmm, kind of eh, question mark next to some of the health officials who kept you locked in your home for two, two and a half years. No, we're not really going to. Don't. Ah, the public, public are sick of that. Should I be surprised that we just get the same soap opera for two weeks? So I end up discussing that with a journalist and he says, well, if you saw the amount of hate speech online that my students have to deal with. And I said, well, isn't that just bullying? And didn't kids always do that? Isn't that the word we have for it? But it's just now being reframed in an Orwellian way because, you know, hate speech. If we accept that anybody who dissents from um, the state is guilty of hate speech and we manage to convince normal people to go along with the language. It's the framing of language that's what's important and that's what's Orwellian. And it drew a kind of, oh, okay, maybe, response. And I wasn't trying to lecture, I wasn't trying to whatever. And you just end up through the fluid fluidity of conversation discussing these things. And that's the beauty of it. But at the same time, there was something serious to be said about the nature of something like hate speech. Because wouldn't every authoritarian regime in the history of the 20th century um, delight in the idea that they could frame dissent from the mainstream narrative or dissent from their narrative or dissent from their rules and laws as hateful as hate speech and have the public cheer along as they walked the respective dissidents to the gallows? Because that is what history has shown us always happens. And the Orwellian change and misuse of language um, is far more insidious but does it make any sense for me to end up discussing these things? But I kind of feel like after 10 albums and the place we are and how many how many more spins have I got around the ball of dirt? Um, who knows? Not that many. We're into the, the last phase of the moon really here, aren't we? So maybe we throw caution to the wind and consider ourselves to be the last of a dying breed of people who will speak out or at least speak about complicated narratives. Because I think that there's this misunderstanding that people aren't able to decipher through these um, complicated narratives, or at least to understand nuance and context. Nuance and context are dirty words now in 2023 because they complicate the narrative. They complicate the binary choice which we're being forced into because that's what keeps us at each other's throats. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, my friends. Poor old Natafrost, huh? Fell off the stage, ended up becoming a meme within 30 seconds. That's what can happen to you, my friends. Um, and sometimes I can tell you this, I have come very close to falling off the stage. A couple of centimetres to the left or right, um, and especially if you've had a, a drink or two. Although, as you grow older, you should probably be dialing down that volume a little bit. But 
The edge of the stage can be a pretty difficult thing to find, but alas and alack, poor old Natter Frost didn't seem able to judge his angles and mathematics in that moment. Am I too opinionated? Well, maybe so. But what a dull world it would be without a little bit of opinion in the metal scene, don't you think? I often think about this TV show, The Best of Enemies, this documentary, um, which was about a series of debates between uh, the very wonderful Gore Vidal and William F. Buckley. Um, you can find it. It's a documentary about these huge debates they had from a, um, the Republicans and the kind of Democrat side, although um, it was a bit more complicated than that. And these fiery debates that got millions and millions of people viewing um, and one time ended up with Buckley wanting to punch old Gore in the chin. But, you know, I think after watching all of them, you kind of think maybe Gore got the upper hand. Gore Vidal, if you don't know, a wonderful writer, polemicist, whatever you want to say. But I think I watched it and I thought, wow, this could don't think this could ever happen now because it would be shortened to two minutes and people would just be screaming at each other, at least outside of the realm of some podcasts that you see now. But are they are they done with scholars and intellectuals or are they just mainly two YouTubers, two Instagram influencers sort of shouting at each other? I find Tim Pool irritating at the best of times. But you look at his argument with some woman called Emma Vigeland. I'm glad to not know all of these people, more or less. But, and if you don't know who these people are, you're probably better off. I mean, obviously, we are all played by our outrage algorithm. But if you want to go and check it out, check out the two names um, I just mentioned and watch them argue on some section. And then you follow her page back to where she came from, which I don't really understand. And she's busy screaming about how she's not interested in science, not interested in evidence. It's just the fucking way it is and people should better accept it and this, that and the other. They're arguing about um, stuff to do with... They're arguing about things to do with gender and identity and realistically about consent, which I think there is very, without a doubt, an attempt to remove this in modern society. And I think that's to do with access to phones. It's a, a well-practiced propaganda move. You saw the Catholic Church do it um, for the last however many hundred years. What did they say? Give me the boy at six and I will show you the man at 60 or whatever, or 40 or whatever it is. I probably should have thought of that quote a little bit better. But anyway, watch these two people scream and shout at each other and you think to yourself, where is the decorum? Where is the ability to actually have a debate, to actually talk things out? Neither side seems capable. They're only there to score points, to, to appeal to their base to appeal to their tribe and so therefore the idea that this woman could agree with any single thing that this Tim Pool character said um, is impossible for her in fact it's it's anathema to her being it's contrary to everything that her tribe has built her up for and um, the ability to just maybe take a step back and think well okay well with that point here's my considered response doesn't happen anymore so maybe I should be thankful for these measured responses and pretty good interviews that allow me to explain a couple of things. Well, anyway, it's just a drop in the ocean. But grains of sand we are. And if you don't know who Tim Pool is or Emma Vigeland is, well, good for you. Don't bother. Save yourself um, some outrage points. Save yourself a headache. Save yourself some anxiety from either side. Don't bother with it. Anyway, it might be that I should leave this podcast just as this sort of 
vague rant. It's not really a rant, just a sort of discussion of, well, who knows what it is. And I should answer people's questions via Instagram. Um, Perhaps I should do it by video. It might be more interesting, amusing, might be, who knows what it might be. All right, my friends, that ends this slightly shorter ramble of Agitators Anonymous. Normal service will resume soon enough. I got some cool guests coming up and also some of those interviews as well. Until next time, Agitators Anonymous, over and out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.